Open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. Uh, I got a special guest with us today, uh, Reggie Middleton. Welcome, uh, Reggie. Thank you. Now, you you operate the Boom Bus blog, right? Yeah, I was uh, for seven years. I had Boom Bus blog, which was a fundamental and global macro research analysis and opinion blog. Um, Very recently, I've decided to wind down publication on there because I dove headfirst into the Bitcoin world. You ain't got got lost down the rabbit hole, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm I'm really excited with this UltraCoin project that you've got going on. Uh, the website's ultra-coin.com, right? Correct. Ultra-coin.com. Now, to be clear, there is unfortunately an altcoin by a very similar name, ultracoin.net, and uh, there is some confusion. Uh, so, to be clear, my company's name is Veritasium. The product is UltraCoin, and the website is ultra-coin.com. Okay, ultra-coin.com. Yeah, because, I mean, there there have been all types of confusions. There's like an Ether coin with the Ethereum, but it's not related to it at all. So we want to make sure people go look at this. It's ultra-coin.com. Now, what what is it that you're you're attempting to accomplish with this UltraCoin project? What UltraCoin does is it's not a specific coin. It uh, programs the Bitcoin protocol, the Bitcoin blockchain. So we take Bitcoins, we use a Bitcoin script, which is a programming language for Bitcoin, and we tell the Bitcoin to imitate the business functions of XYZ industry. And so the products are each industry that we go after, with the first industry being what we consider low-hanging fruit, and that's Wall Street. Uh, Wall Street's low-hanging fruit because for the last 30 years, despite a dramatic increase in efficiencies and through technology such as the Internet, Wall Street offerings have pretty much remained stagnant, uh, while bonuses have been shooting through the roof in compensation and uh, offerings to the consumer, um, even though the... Uh, productivity portion has been stagnant. Uh, the price has risen faster than practically any other consumer consumable, um, including for the last three years, faster than income itself. Yeah. So we've got we've got this Bitcoin. Uh, I like to say, you know, we got gold, and gold is the same as it was two thousand years ago. You know, it's defined on the periodic table. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's limited in amount, but it's not extensible. Then we got the dollar that's extensible but not limited in amount. And now we got Bitcoin that is extensible and limited in amount. So we and by extensible we mean that's like a software term. We can we can keep building or extending the software. We can build new features into it. And so with Bitcoin we've got distributed consensus or distributed trust and we've really got programmable trust. And that's what you're doing with UltraCoin is you're you're extensifying or you're building on uh, using these features of Bitcoin's programmable trust 
to uh, go after the low-hanging fruit of Wall Street. What do you exactly mean by that? Like, are we talking about like shares of stocks or bonds or like other financial instruments? Uh, I mean, like, give us an example. An example is you go to the website, you go to ultra-coin.com, you click download, you pick the platform of choice, Windows, Mac, Linux, or uh, Android, and soon iOS. You download the appropriate wallet, and it's a Bitcoin wallet. It's just an uber smart Bitcoin wallet. You open it up, you throw your Bitcoin in, and then you can trade um, any among 75,000 plus securities. Any asset class um, from any location on any exchange from around the world, 24 hours a day, and you trade it peer-to-peer. So you don't go through exchanges, you don't go through brokers, you don't go through Merrill Lynch, Citibank. New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, you are taking Bitcoin, you are turning Bitcoin into a derivative represent, uh, representative of, say, pork bellies, or gold, or silver, or Apple, or Apple stock, okay. or IBM stock, or treasury bonds, or um, the Korean won, or the euro. You can actually trade pairs, you could go long or short, or you could do much more creative things. So instead of going long Apple stock because you're bullish on Apple, you could go long Apple but short Samsung. So you receive Apple um, value, and this is called value trading, a new paradigm. You receive Apple value, and you pay Samsung value. And that's in the same contract. So at the end of the expiry, and you pick whatever expiration you want from the seconds up until years, the end of the expiry, as long as Apple um, did better than Samsung, relatively, you profit. You profit by the amount that it did better. Then. So, so these are are these uh, like contract contracts for difference mainly? Theoretically, they're but, swaps. But theoretically, so, they're swaps. So they're swapping value. So they're functioning like swaps, and they settle into Bitcoin. Right. Bitcoin they, in, they all, Bitcoin out. Bitcoin in, Bitcoin out. Right. So that so they all settle into Bitcoin, and. How do you pull in the prices? Like, how do we know that the the Apple value or the Samsung value is accurate? The price is pulled in through our server. The server acts as an oracle, as defined in the Bitcoin white paper, and it um, help. It gives the instructions to put the contract together, the smart contract, and it throws the price to the client. The client can also read the price independently itself from the source. So you can do your own audit, and which one of the things that make this spectacular is that there is our server does not hold or touch any of the um, assets at all so you have 400 bitcoin in your wallet i have 600 bitcoin in our wallet we decided to enter in a contract for 100 bitcoin none of that bitcoin goes to our server our server doesn't have any control over it um you can offer our server the ability using multi-sig to put you into a contract if your wallet's not online but because of the multi-sig authority, you still cannot abscond with it. You can't lock it up. You can't steal it. Um, the contract is etched in stone. True zero trust. Uh, that is in contrast to token-based solutions, which uh, basically rely on something besides a blockchain. When you rely on something besides a blockchain, you don't have zero trust. For example, we take uh, you into a contract with me. You receive Apple, pay Samsung. I receive Samsung, pay Apple. We enter in the contract. Uh, three days later, there's an earthquake on the East Coast. Okay, you can simply hit a button, trace uh, contract, it goes up to the blockchain, and shows you exactly where the funds are sitting in the blockchain. 
you either always have it in your personal wallet or te- theoretically the funds never leave your wallet, but they're locked up in a blockchain. Or you could go to the blockchain and see exactly where the funds are. There is no time when you don't have either control or full awareness of where the funds are. So, so you're like using this, you're able to control the private keys. The you never, your, your you, own yeah, each like, user has like their each, private keys. each individual is able to control their own private keys, but then enter into these smart contracts uh, with other users, but do it in a in a complete peer to peer way. Right. So you're not going through like a, an E Trade or a or an Ameritrade. I mean, you're you're going through the Altcoin server, which is acting as the oracle to pull the price data, but you're not you're not actually transferring any signing authority with via via the private keys to Altcoin. Right. You're not you're not even going through Altcoin. Altcoin acts as basically the messenger where it takes the information and through the smart contract data to the users. Um, you now in that fashion, theoretically you have to be online twenty four hours a day to accept the contract. You can give Altcoin servers the authority to hold one key out of a multi-sig. So if you're not online, but you say we want to enter in this contract at of these terms, Ultracoin, the Ultracoin server can allow that contract to be entered into on your behalf. Okay, but only with the instructions that you give it. And those instructions are limited to only entering a contract. So Ultracoin, if the government decides to confiscate our servers, if we get hacked, if a virus attacks, we still don't have access and never want to access to your funds. Your funds can never be taken, uh, compromised, etc. You can have a worst case scenario where the deal is compromised and then you have a rollback to where you were in the beginning. So um, you don't lose your coins, but the particular subcontract, if compromised, will roll back. An example of that compromise would be if you have a massive earthquake and everywhere that the UltraCoin servers happen to be uh, is affected. Yeah. yeah, and that's difficult if you design the service correctly because you have geographic plus logical um, variety dispersion, etc. Now, you, you dropped a bomb that a lot of people might not have, have caught. Uh, you, you said, and that this was a couple minutes ago, you said that the UltraCoin servers are acting as the oracle as talked about in the white paper. Mm-hmm. So, so you're saying that Satoshi envisioned things like this happening even when the white paper was originally written, even when Bitcoin was originally architected. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, let me tell you how I got started. I'm a finance guy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nerd. I'm a technologist, but I'm not an engineer, a developer. I'm not a mathematician. Um, I know math as it comes to um, spreadsheets, you know, balance sheets, etc. cetera. Uh, one of my clients asked me to look into Bitcoin um, for two years, and I didn't. Um, it should have, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> you okay. have a lot more bitcoins if <laughs> that you did. That is very true. But when I did, December twenty third of two thousand and thirteen, I took a look at it and I realized the media is the media. So um, I wanted to go straight to the source. The first thing I did was look up the Bitcoin white paper. Once I read that you have a distributed, ar- decentralized distributed architecture with its own rail, um, and you have the blockchain, and you could program the Bitcoin. Why isn't anybody doing this? I, so I called um, the different Bitcoin uh, well-respected authorities, but those who are well-respected in the Bitcoin community, and I asked them why, and I was getting various reasons. It's beta, et cetera. But there were examples of it out floating around that worked. Um, Satoshi was talking directly to people such as myself. If you focus on the small account of value, which is what 
a Bitcoin is a lowercase b, what other people call a currency, you're missing the entire point. Yeah, because currency is just one application of how this uh, new virtual commodity can actually be used or applied, right? It's not even an application. It, it is the vehicle for communicating within the protocol. So um, that's like uh, looking at the Internet and thinking of packets, information packets, mm-hmm. as what the Internet is about. You know, most people don't even know what the information packets are. But even if you do, you realize the Internet is so much greater than the information packets. Exactly. The actual packet that you use to ping. Um, yeah, because because you're just sending that packet over like TCP/IP, for example. But right. the internet's even larger than just TCP/IP. Much, much larger. Mu- in terms, much, in much terms larger. Of actual yeah. applied use. Yeah, I mean, we could we could apply uh, made safe across the the quote unquote internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we can apply a, a whole different range of protocols. And and I mean, Satoshi talked about this: how Bitcoin is it's this virtual commodity where you're able to uh, transfer value over a communications channel. So that's really what you're getting at, right? Like we're, we're able to use these logical or physical communication channels to be transferring value. Mm-hmm. And now AlterCoin's getting into uh, using that in a very novel and innovative way. Right. In, in a way, it's the way it's always been done, uh, basically derivatives, but it's using it's... Yeah, it but, was, it's, but it hasn't been done with distributed trust exactly right and that's what's new um what we did was i created this from scratch to be 100 percent purely they call it bitcoin 2.0 but i disagree with that because bitcoin is still in beta you know bitcoin i'm not good at math believe it or not but i know that <laughs> One comes before two. So before we get to two, let's do one first. <laughs> well, it depends. Uh, <laughs> non-real numbers, right? Yeah. But. <laughs> but, but if you could get to, you know, if you consider Bitcoin 2.0, this is a pure um, new paradigm uh, solution and product. And so the swaps, the derivatives, the entire concept is based upon this particular technology. Um, Wall Street is first. It's the low-hanging fruit. We have law intellectual property, real estate, insurance, healthcare. Uh, we have an entire string of business plans and products in tow. Um, we are writing patent applications behind us um, for protection because the industries that we're going after, and make no mistake, we're looking for pure disintermediation. We're taking the middleman that extracts rent without adding value, and we're eliminating the need. Not only technically eliminating the need for him, but we're marketing the fact that he is no longer necessary. So... I mean, and, and there are a lot of different middlemen uh, all throughout that chain. I mean, you've got regulators. Uh, I, I made the statement, uh, I think I was one of the first, talking about moving just 1% of offshore tax haven banking account assets into Bitcoin would move the price to like $2.8 million per coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're using Bit, if people use Bitcoin to, to trade, like you're talking about, and there's no, there's no centralized trust, it's all distributed trust, like who who sends you a 1099 or or the other tax forms when you're trading in in this manner as right. opposed to trading on like e-trade for example well the laws <laughs> regulations have to be totally rewritten they were written in a I compare it to uh, transportation. Um, you have traffic laws, um, parking laws, parking permits, etc that assume people will be driving cars or riding bicycles or driving a truck or a motorcycle. Yeah, what about a hover bike? Right. Uh, you could think of in terms of a hover bike. You could think of interstellar space travel. You could think of interdimensional space travel. So what is the traffic ticket for going through dimension to dimension, going back in time? 
Now, it sounds like uh, science fiction, except for the fact that you can now do that right now with Bitcoin. Not interdimensional travel, but you could do intercontinental. Yeah, but by, but by analogy. Right. For instance, we take entire assets, classes, entire assets, and encapsulate the value into the blockchain. Um, we don't take a token of the asset's value. We take the actual value of the asset and throw it into the blockchain. That changes the entire game. Um, you have to rewrite. Now you have to rewrite the laws. You have to rewrite the concept behind the laws. Well, and in, and in a lot of ways, like the law, law is just getting rewritten, not in legal code, but in software code. Right. Right. Because I mean, these contracts like execute. We've got terms. Uh, we've got we've got ways for them to settle. We've got a medium for them to settle in. And most importantly, they're unbreachable. Um, our slogan is an unbreakable co- promise or in more legal terms, an unbreachable contract. If you have a contract that cannot be breached, you by default have no need for courts. Um, enforcement, remedy? Enforcement, enforcement, administration, remedy are all the same entity right now. Um, let's see what... I think I think we've we've gone over Ultracoin. We've made a very good uh, we've made a very good case about what it is, like proof of concept. Like we said, bait, we're still in beta with Bitcoin itself. Ultracoin is is extensifying or, or even building on top of that. I'd gotten an email uh, a few weeks ago from Greg Maxwell. He's one of the Bitcoin core developers, and he asked me, you know, what what features would you like to see built into Bitcoin? So I'd like I'd like to ask you that question. What features would you like to see built into Bitcoin? Like what what features need to be added to the to the actual core protocol that could make it more useful uh, for some of these applications that you're talking about? I mean, you 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 put entire uh, industries, entire like a lot of the entire function of the state. You're saying we could we could put into the blockchain. So I mean, do we need any anything done to the core protocol to make this possible? In your opinion, like I mean, what what should we do? Now that's an interesting question. And believe it or not, you no know, nobody's ever posed it to me. Um, the function, the capability of Bitcoin as it stands right now, I'm not even aware of because. It, the scripting language is simple stack-based scripting language, but yeah, it's and applied. it's been intentionally limited because we don't necessarily want to. I mean, we like we can't have it's, it's we, non-Turing because you don't want loops. Yeah, we don't want right. loops, and like things could get things could get messy, and we don't want that to happen. But even with the limitations, there's a lot you can do. Um, even though I am obviously biased, I feel that my particular product, our product, um, is one of the most advanced products out, and is using just the Bitcoin script. So with enough imagination plus intellectual capacity, you can do a lot with what's there. Um, probably for number one, the biggest, the, the most important aspect that I'd like to see added would probably be messaging. Um, some type of uh, messaging capability inherent within uh, the Bitcoin protocol itself. So you could send explicit direct I even call it messages, but communications within the Bitcoin protocol. So you mean something like what what they're experimenting with over in BitMessage, for example? Right, something like that. Um, so you could have a Bitcoin transfer or let's, something very simple. You have a Bitcoin transfer. You could send an explicit message in the Bitcoin transfer. It can be uh, attached to, um, let's say you have it hashed. You have it verified so it can't be changed. Okay, so it could be a text message, and that message can be a set of instructions 
written in regular, plain, simple English or Japanese, etc., for the other side to receive. And you have a guaranteed a reception, guaranteed transmission, and you have the inability to alter the message. Um, that will go very far for the legal industry in terms of writing contracts because now do you have a smart contract that's enforced through software, but you actually have the interpretation in English. Now, you have limits in terms of, and I'm not a developer, but you have limits in terms of what you could stuff into the blockchain. But um, there are ways around that, especially if you have the ability to send a message. You can have each character represent, you know, something else in terms of having a, uh, I don't think how it's called, uh, like a... Like an object. Yeah. You yeah. know, so, so that we're uh, able to pull pull in a particular set of terms that are right. standardized. Right, uh, represented by... And, and, the, and the software code's already like written and standardized for all of that, yeah. and so so with messaging, you know, does that opens up the capability significantly? Now you can still do that, but the amount of thinking and coding that goes into it would be cut in, I'd say, a fifth. Yeah, well, and that's that's what we really want to do is streamline, automate uh, as much as we can, so that you know it frees up our human labor to be working on much more. Uh, much more advanced things that require a little bit more of our creativity right. than just like uh, pushing positive. paper around, yeah. right? Hopefully positive things, you know. You know, you could free up, I anticipate about 50% of Wall Street labor, especially on the transactional and the creative side, to be on the transactional side, to be non-existent within, I'd say, about 8 to 10 years. Yeah, I mean, when we can put all that into the blockchain and automate it, like we, you know, we're not going to be needing to sit around uh, hundreds and hundreds of pages on all this stuff. So what happens to those people? There are two things. They can take their intellectual capital, some of which is significant, and go into a different direction, or they can try and fight this innovation by using their intellectual capacity to muddy it, to create opacity versus transparency in pricing or in price discovery or anything else. Now, that works because co- coupled with a very strong marketing engine is called innovation or the discussion we hear um, what Apple is doing with Apple Pay. But Apple Pay is not new. Um, it not is even not pervasive. really. Yeah. I mean, it is nice that they're starting to attempt to disintermediate the like the visas and the Mastercards and the, right. the payment system because they do tokenize uh, the credit card, and that 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 token could then represent bitcoins instead of credit right. cards very easily. So yeah. I think it's definitely kind of a step in the right direction. But you know, layering on more fees in the payments yeah. space is just yeah. well, it, you know, it should be anathema to the banks. The banks are literally paying an extra fee for absolutely nothing. They already interface directly with the consumer. So to pay Apple five basis points, 15 basis points, to interface with a consumer, which they already have, seems nonsensical. The reason they're doing it is Apple, very good at marketing, scares the banks saying you're going to be left out. The banks could take the same 15 basis points and create their own you know, Bitcoin <laughs> solutions such as I'm doing, but <laughs> that's, that's pre- not what happens. That, that's so. presuming that the banks are capable at like creating anything new. I mean, what's yeah. what's been the greatest innovation in the the credit card or debit card market in 50 years? The bonus. We, we can put our <laughs> own our own picture on our card, right? Like, I mean, that's the biggest innovation we've got. I mean, maybe bonus points or yeah. something. No, I the mean, bonus as in compensation bonus uh, quarterly. Well, yeah, they, they get their bonuses. Yeah. Well, and ironically, uh, you know, I'd always thought that. Uh, like big retailers actually it was cheaper you know they got more economies of scale but I think that there's actually a form of reverse economies of scale at work here Uh, because I was reading in the bitmap 
press release, they, they raised $14.5 million uh, for a payment processor. They're a bunch of former Visa guys. Mm-hmm. And they said that in some cases, these retailers are paying 10% to be accepting the credit cards after PCI compliance and the cost of hacks. Like, mm-hmm. And when you think about it, like a hacker, do you want to steal a database with 3 million records or do you want to steal a database with 60 million records yeah. or 76 million records? You want a Home Depot, Target, Morgan, JP Morgan. And so you got these reverse economies of scale at work for their old, obsolete, held together by duct tape systems. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bitcoin disintermediates all of that. Right. You know, Completely. like you like you don't need any of that and you don't need to pay any fees. <laughs> See, so. <laughs> on that note, you know, our first product, Ultracoin Value Trading System. The second product is a payment system. Um, smart payments with self-escrowing uh, capabilities, which means when you want to pay for something, you re-disintermediate the payment processor in general and everybody connected to it. So you don't need Apple, you don't need Visa, you don't need American Express, you need the person you're paying. And that's the, it. That's it. The rails <laughs> go through Bitcoin. Um, you have a self-escrowing system, which prevents fraud, um, prevents uh, any child's play because the main reason people defraud others or cheat others is to take their money. If you have a guaranteed loss at the attempt at defrauding, that cuts the attempts at defraud down 98, 99. Quick bono. Who right. stands to gain? Nobody. Yeah. I mean, if you don't stand to gain, like, <laughs> why are you going to be not only trying to defraud somebody and risking, like, you know, upsetting somebody and potential legal liability. I mean, there's just no reason to yeah. be doing it. Well, this is direct loss of capital by defrauding. The defrauding law loses, and so that takes the incentive for fraud out. Um, and, and penalizes it. And, well, it, <laughs> and there are ways around that. Like, there are certain strategic players who will pay and take the loss to defraud others. But when you have a large system with anonymous payments, you don't know who you're, def- um, who you're cheating or defrauding. So even the strategic players are taken out picture because it would take an awful lot of capital to defraud you know 450,000 people because you're trying to get that one person to right. crowd. Um, and the third product is uh, smart stocks and smart bonds where we basically um, we are unraveling the swaps and enabling entities to sell when they get a swaps which is basically selling um, equities or stocks but they're smart equities smart stocks smart bonds you can issue an equity that says automatically by default you know, its nature is to pay X percent dividend um, every X time units quarterly um, contingent upon uh, so many dollars of profit. And that is guaranteed written into the DNA of the actual stock. So someone who buys that stock knows they would get that. And you can have contingency so on except for when. And then when you look at it, your what would be considered the uh, prospectus is actually written in stone. You know, as long written as in the blockchain or written in the blockchain. Written in code. <laughs> right. So this hopefully should be uh, a boon and we're actually working with the legacy system and we're gonna try and get SEC acceptance. Um if this works out, um we'll be doing this between ten to twenty percent of the cost of uh conventional underwriting at most, and probably significantly less than that. Um again, disintermediation. So we have the value trading, the brokerage, disintermediation. On top of that, you also have asset management. If you have swaps and you can specify exposures, instead of buying into a hedge fund, a mutual fund, you could buy into a fund that is uh, controlled by somebody who doesn't get paid by commissions. He gets paid solely for his advice, so now he has no incentive to lie. He take that fraud incentive out, and he could give you specific sizes of value depending on what you want. If you're um, the CEO of a steel smelting company, well, you have specific exposures to aluminum, 
to steel, to electricity, to coal, to, you know, um, certain interest rates, et cetera, GDP of the countries that you deal with and the country that you operate in. You know, laser precision in terms of exposure, and you create a portfolio and out of that. And risk management. Like, just able right. to carve it out just exactly atomically. Yeah. So you have hedges, you have assets, you have cash flows specifically catered to your um, individual position. This could be done using the legacy method at about 10% per swap, and then you have to worry about counterparty risk, credit risk, et cetera, plus the fees. So um, value trading, payments, uh, smart securities, and that is, in general, step one. We're taking out Wall Street. Then we have to go after real estate, then, then law, we, uh, intellectual <laughs> property. Healthcare is going to be very interesting. Um, get my bulletproof shield together. <laughs> <laughs> Security services. Man, it's yeah. been, a, been a fascinating interview. Uh, thanks so much for being with us, Reggie. You're very welcome. Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at Bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise, spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate.